This audio is brought to you by Business Radio, powered by Wharton, originally airing on SiriusXM. You're listening to the CMO Spotlight on Business Radio, powered by the Wharton School. Here again are Catherine Hayes and Jenny Rooney. And welcome back to the CMO Spotlight. We're pleased to have you with us today. I'm Catherine Hayes, and with me is Jenny Rooney. Hey, Jenny. Hi. We are talking today with chief marketing officers, as we do every month, the last Friday of every month, and then on replays the following week. And today we have with us Jeff Weiser. He's the chief marketing officer for Shopify. Jeff, welcome to the show. Thanks so much for having me. Jeff, why don't you start out, if you could, uh, marketing officers these days have a variety of functions and responsibilities. Um, so what it means in one company is very different than what it means in another. Can you just tell us the scope of responsibilities that you have within your purview? Sure. Um, I, I'll sort of describe it um, from the highest level in terms of what we're trying to achieve, and then I can sort of back into um, the functions we maintain to achieve those things. So Sounds highest great. level marketing at Shopify is responsible for acquiring new merchants into the company, growing the revenue and profitability of the merchants that we've already got, and building and maintaining our brand position. Um, in order to do that, we've broken the organization down into a handful of uh, sort of sub-departments, we have growth marketing, uh, which is performance marketing for acquisition, and CRM, or customer relationship marketing, to grow the lifetime value of our merchants. We have product marketing um, to define the messaging and positioning of our products and take them to market. We have international marketing to adapt to what we've successfully done in our core markets to the rest of the world. We have marketing operations, which is a catch-all for testing and experimentation analytics, project management, and some other technical functions. Um, And we have creative, which hopefully is (laughs) self-explanatory. And creative. Mm -hmm. And then with that as as sort of a bigger overview, explain to us Shopify. How does that, how does your product come to market? Sure. Shopify, um, we now describe as a retail operating system. Mm -hmm. It's everything you need to start, sell, market, and manage your business. To put that in non-marketing terms, there was once a time when if you wanted to sell something online, you needed to be an engineer or you needed to employ an engineer, you needed to have a friend who was an engineer, but there was a technical component to it. Uh, When our founder went to sell snowboards 15 years ago, he found that there was no plug-and-play checkout for an online store, and being a coder himself, he made that broadly available to non-technical people. So today, someone could start a store online or elsewhere even if they're not technical themselves using Shopify. And over the years, um, what had been an online commerce company grew to offer commerce anywhere that a merchant's buyers might be. So today we have point of sale uh, readers, we have channel integrations for our merchants to sell on Facebook, Instagram, eBay, Amazon, et cetera, et cetera. And once we were in all these locations for our merchants to make their products available, we also realized that having amassed so many of them, we could provide solutions that would help complete their business functionality. So we offer preferred shipping rates that none of our merchants would individually be able to negotiate with the United States Postal Service, Canada Post, UPS, et cetera, but that we can negotiate on behalf of our 820,000 plus merchants. We offer capital loans to accelerate our merchants' business. Um, We have the ability for our merchants to buy ads from within our 
admin tool on Facebook, Google, and elsewhere. And so, um, you know, that, that's about a few. You're really a one-stop shop. Sounds like, yeah, like we're, literally it's, yeah, small <laughs> business, shop small business in a box. Small business yeah. in a box. Yeah, for sure. What uh, average size of the companies, and sort of when do they sort of grow out of being size-wise of being a client? It's a great question. We were actually trying to make it impossible for them to I grow wondered. out of yeah. being. Um, uh, what, what happened about three years ago is we did have some merchants who were achieving so much success that they were graduating from our car offering in terms of the complexity and scale of their mm -hmm. needs. And so at that time, we introduced something called Shopify Plus, which has our 5,300 biggest, most complex merchants on it, but essentially it's the enterprise offering for folks who either come in as large businesses or who graduate from our core offering. Very cool. Now, I mean, it's a, it's a competitive landscape out there. You know, obviously everything, so much is changing in this space, you know, as far as online um, commerce and, you know, Instagram announcing a couple months ago that they now are enabling, you know, in-app purchasing, uh, you know, how do you sort of regard what's happening generally in the space and, and how much of it is competition, how much of it is collaboration and sort of where do you sort of secure your, um, you know, your, your uniqueness uh, against that backdrop? Sure. Um, you know, on the uniqueness front, um, I described previously the, the breadth of our offering, and I, I don't think there's a pure play competitor that really comes close, to be frank. Um, but you're right. I mean, there's an element of a rising tide that lifts all boats. Uh, something like 89 or 90 percent of transactions still happen offline. We don't think that that's going to be the long-term case. And so, um, you know, others have seen our success and, we, you know, we consider it a form of flattery when they uh, seek to replicate it. But by and large, you know, it's a cooperative environment. Um, I described some of our channel in integrations, including with Instagram. And our feeling is that anything that makes commerce available more broadly so people can buy where they want to buy and our merchants can sell anywhere the buyers might be is a good thing. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, the other question to follow on that is, you know, as we talk about brand as brand as commerce, you know, are you are you either consulting with big brand CMOs to get their th thoughts and thinking on that component? I know they're not your core audience, but you know, how are you sort of stepping back a minute? How are you sort of um, obtaining? You know, how are you surveying a CMO audience to get a sense of what they, what the future of commerce is for them, how they're regarding it, you know, as uh, not just a way to sell product, but also as a branding vehicle, you know, a point of experience for, for customers. Um, you know, what kind of forward thinking are you hearing from those, that community, and sort of what do you see on the horizon as far as w how businesses want to basically build out their commerce and, and to what end, you know what I mean, beyond just selling product, if that makes sense. Right, right. Well, I mean, I, I think you've hit on an important point, which is sort of the ascendancy of brands uh, in what was once a transactional e-commerce environment. Mm -hmm. That's actually been, you know, you, you asked earlier about uh, competitive differentiators. That's actually been a differentiator for us from the beginning in the sense that a lot of other places you might choose to sell something, and I'm thinking here largely of big marketplaces, the marketplace may own the customer relationship. The marketplace may control all the branding. In some instances, the marketplace may even set pricing. The, the, the funny thing mm -hmm. about Shopify before it became, you know, it's, it's sort of at a tipping point where it's becoming more, uh, you know, we've got more general population awareness than we once did. Um, but long before that, I would tell people, like, look, you've bought something from a Shopify store. You just don't, you just don't know, know it. Right. And, the, and the reason is that we've always been 
um, comfortable letting our merchants put their brand front and center. So, you know, Shopify is not stealing the spotlight, and there's no sense of comp competition within that value chain. Um, and so in terms of, you know, providing great experiences, um, you know, that's been a value prop for us from the beginning. Um, you know, what I see happening is, is that two worlds are sort of, uh, merging in a way that, that sort of plucks the best of each, right? There was a time when you had, you know, what we now call direct-to-consumer, then it was called direct-response marketing, um, highly analytical, understood the mathematics of mm -hmm. generating a customer lifetime value that you work really, really hard to increase, making sure that your acquisition cost was tailored to be an appropriate ratio to that lifetime value, um, but really fell short on brand and experience and the things that make customers actually come back. Um, then you had the other half of the world who are brand marketers that would say things like, well, half of my marketing doesn't work. I just don't know which half. You know, where the direct response folks lacked the, uh, the brand experience, the brand folks lacked the mathematics and the attribution to understand what was actually working. When you look at all these direct-to-consumer brands that have been so disruptive, and I'm thinking here of the Shopify customers like the Allbirds of the world, mm -hmm. um, they've really figured out how to take the best of both those worlds. And so, um, you know, that's sort of what Shopify is facilitating in fueling this direct-to-consumer revolution is enabling people to use their own brands, but also to have the mechanics that people used to call direct response uh, to run a successful, thriving business. A lot of the discussion around the, the the interplay between those two is sort of the long and the short term of it. So is is that how you think about it with the, the branding aspect of something that, uh, that lifts the product up over time and that in the short term, the activation of that is more on the direct um, response area? Sure. The, the way I think about it is in terms of a marketing funnel where performance marketing's job is to harvest signals, so right. where we see in-market intent uh, from potential customers, in our case, their merchants, um, executing certain searches, things like that, we're in place to efficiently acquire them in a way that we understand to be profitable based on deep and highly segmented analysis of mm -hmm. unit economics. The job of brand marketing is to create a halo effect to feed that funnel and widen that funnel so that when people are ready to take action, our performance marketing can take over. So for Shopify, just just along those lines for yourself, how do you think about it? Um, you know, in reading up about the the firm, you know, they they said that it was such a low profile that you had that people, you know, didn't even know how successful you were. Um, how are you thinking about brand for Shopify in terms of getting your message out to a broader audience? Great question. Uh, it's true that our profile was was very low. Some of that was was just in the nature of how companies tend to start, which is like, what's the first thing you're going to do, buy a billboard um, right. or make sure you're in place to capture, right. you know, all the search intent around what your business does. So some of that is just, you know, you started where we started where people typically start, which is on the performance marketing side mm -hmm. and scaled much faster um, than, you know, anyone might have imagined. Um, so some of that, I think, is just order of operations. Uh, but look, you know, we have a stated intent to be in a hundred year company. Um, and my perspective is that over that period of time, hopefully sooner than later, um, we will go from being the secret sauce behind the 800,000 merchant success to being a household name. Mm -hmm. And the way you do that is like with a steady drumbeat of brand marketing campaigns. And so we're actually, um, you know, I came in as CMO about 15 months ago. Um, at the time, we had a very robust sense of what our purpose was internally. 
initially, um, but we had never articulated it in the form of a brand position that we took out to market. So we sort of distilled and formalized what the brand stands for, which is incredibly purpose-driven. We really exist to create a retail ecosystem with more voices in it mm. and not a retail ecosystem with three or four companies, you know, selling you barcode items highly efficiently. Mm. Um, and so, you know, that was a story we thought was worth telling and that would further our objective of being a hundred year company. We're now in market with our first ever brand campaign. It's in 12 North American cities. Um, and it leverages off the idea that Shopify is the difference between making something and making something a business. Right. So lots of good places to do your arts and crafts online. But if you want to run, you know, a thriving, fully functional business with all the tools you need in one place, that's what we think Shopify is for. And so we're in market with that campaign. Um, we're systematic in the way we do things. And so we have control and test markets and we will read um, the lift on uh, brand awareness and down funnel metrics from that. Um, but my belief is that, you know, you have to move beyond bottom funnel performance marketing to build a sustainable branding company. This is kind of an out there question, but I want to ask if you're thinking about, um, you know, the future of shopping, future, you know, the future of commerce, as we move into an era where things like voice or, you know, and video and um, connected homes and, you know, there's going to be more and more places where certainly brand engagement and, and content, um, you know, uh, intersects with customers or consumers and therefore there's those are arguably opportunities for for selling right <laughs> those, how yeah, do you I, think I, about the the future of of getting in and gaming i mean how do you feel like you're going to be able to build out your capabilities and your products such that you can be there when the market gets there so that you know shopping and everywhere and anywhere in every context is possible Sure. That's a, it's a great question. The, you know, the way I think about like the future of commerce is yes, you sort of have the omnipresent component to it, but it's also sort of the story of reducing friction over time. So, yeah. you know, there's a sort of expanding number of surfaces on which people consume content. And the idea is for, you know, people in the business of commerce to be in all those places with the ability to sell in the most friction free mm -hmm. way. So, you know, I think what you're really referring to is what we call headless commerce. Um, and making APIs available that let people put a buy button just about anywhere. A good mm -hmm. example is like a couple of years ago, we released a Unity SDK for gaming that allows you to, say, earn uh, a virtual good within a game and then mm -hmm. buy it in the real world right. from directly within that game. That's an example of taking a surface where content is being consumed or engaged with and turning it into a friction-free commercial environment. I think that'll be the story of the future of commerce and that the number of um, content consumption mechanisms that become commerce mechanisms will balloon. And how about payments? I mean, you, you've got competition coming at you from all sorts of different places. Yeah. Um, and well, certainly the, the whole payments area that are, uh, behind it um, is, is connected to the, to the commerce part or the shopping part. But how do you, how do you see that evolving for you and, and competitively? Sure. So there's a couple. So, I, uh, you know, we've, it's come up a couple of times that I guess what I would just say is that when you, you know, when you when you add breadth um, and functionality to your platform, sort of by definition, you're adding competitors because every new space you get into has its own mm -hmm. set of companies that may focus only on that thing. Mm -hmm. So we, we, we sort of consider that a good problem to have. I guess there's a couple different senses in which I could interpret the question around payments. Um, you know, we, on behalf of our merchants, make a number of payment mechanisms available. 
Um, and that has been expanding over time, in part because as we expand geographically, uh, different ways of paying are more common. So, you know, uh, we added Klarna recently to our platform because, you know, folks in parts of Europe just shop differently uh, than they do in the United States. There are places where PayPal is preferred to a credit card, right? Mm-hmm. Um, then, of course, there's also the, the payment processing within the Shopify platform. Um, we have a deal uh, with Stripe on the back end of that uh, for payments. So, you know, I guess it's a way of saying that um, we want to, for our, on behalf of our buyers, on behalf of our merchants, make the payment methods their buyers prefer available to them wherever they may be. Um, but as a company, our mechanism for handling payments is a partnership we have, a longstanding partnership with Stripe. Got it. And the more, the same sort of thing, the, make, the more that that's frictionless and, and a real strength of what you have, it's a way of... of amplifying your competitiveness. Yeah, I mean, one of the, you know, one of the, the, the mantras we use internally, and, and as I think about our product marketing world, um, you know, you're trying to take a series of products that have different functionalities mm. and distill them into important messaging themes. One of ours is making the complex simple. So, you know, that's another way uh, to describe everything from building an online store to making payments friction-free. I guess it's what I would say is another way of describing a frictionless commercial environment is to say that it makes something that could be complex, awfully simple. Any cool insights around what younger people, you know, and you, you can you can d- define younger people as you wish, but are looking for, you know, you mentioned frictionless commerce, but any other really interesting, you know, aspects of just either how they think about or approach, you know, um, online commerce or shopping or, you know, likes, dislikes, fears, lack of fears, privacy, you know, how do you sort of, what do you see happening as younger generations um, come up? Obviously, Gen Z is sort of just the hot hot focus for a lot of marketers right now. But vis-a-vis what, you're, what you do and what you offer, um, what sort of consumer insights are you paying attention to? Yeah, I mean, there's a couple different ways to talk about the audiences because, of course, we have what our core business is, which is, you know, our merchants, and then our merchants in turn have buyers. I'll give the insight. I mean, their buyers. Yeah, I think the question is around your merchants' buyers. Yeah, um, hmm, I'd have to think about that one a little more. What I, what I, would, what I would have said, this is where I was going, um, uh, is that the thing that actually shocked me the most is that there's a presumption because of what Shopify does and the sector that it's in that most of our customers, who again our buyers are someone else's merchants, um, would be millennials, it'd be Gen Z, etc. Um, but when you dig into the data, narratives that have been uh, blown up in the media actually turn out not to really be true. So, for example, people in their 50s are twice as likely to start a company um, as millennials are. Um, we hear a lot about entrepreneurship driven by uh, the rise of a bunch of, you know, mostly rich, white, brash, San Francisco-based men. <laughs> um, but actually, entrepreneurship is in a four-decade low. And so um, the thing that shocked me the most is how little these up-and-coming buyers, all of whom are also seeking a career path, are considering mm-hmm. entrepreneurship as a viable mm. occupation. That's something we're really trying to, to redefine. And we think there's a role to reclaim uh, the concept and the word entrepreneurship along with it. If you mm. ask our merchants, they don't think of, they think of themselves as business owners, sure. They don't think of themselves mm. as entrepreneurs because that word for them has been tainted by the popular stereotype. So wow. our merchants will say, yeah, I'm every bit as creative as those entrepreneurs, meaning those 
you know, white men in San Francisco. And I'm, you know, I'm every bit as driven as they are, but, you know, I have much sounder morals and, you know, I don't have an unfair advantage of being, uh, you know, sort of connected into a Silicon Valley ecosystem. The word has sort of lost its original meaning. Mm. Um, and it's not something that people self-identify with, especially young people. And so that was the most interesting uh, sort of demographic, um, you know, uh, dynamic that I stumbled on. Really interesting. Yeah, that's super fascinating. And along those um, lines, I would think that you probably have just a tremendous amount of insight into the types of businesses that are being yeah, um, launched, launched and how that's evolving over time and who's launching them, as you said, about the the, the those over 50 being twice as likely. Any other trends, trends that you're seeing? And, and who's coming to you for that data or that those insights? I think that would be fascinating to market that as well. Yeah, um, you know, we, we do offer uh, insights to our merchants uh, to help them advance their businesses. Um, what I, you know, th- there's there's areas where Shopify over-indexes, and it's mostly finished goods, right? So fashion mm. is our top category. Um, jewelry, beauty. I mean, you know, one of our biggest uh, – uh, I throw this out because everyone's heard of it. One of our biggest uh, Shopify Plus success stories is Kylie Cosmetics. Right. Um, mm. You know, it's, it's no secret that Kylie is, I think, the youngest – uh, self-made billionaire of all time. That was all on the backs of Shopify. But those are those are good. You know, I, I cite that for a reason. I cite Allbirds. Those are those are sort of emblematic of the kinds of business businesses we mm-hmm. see being started on Shopify. Got it. And um, we just have a few more minutes, so maybe we can end with um, looking ahead a little bit as you look for the next 12 to 18 months or so, um, especially as somebody who's been in there for about that amount of time. What do you sort of see in the next chapter for you in terms of key challenges and, um, and new investments? Yeah, um, you know, I, I think that, that um, the, when I came in about a year ago, um, we defined a new strategy. It had several pillars of here's how we're going to grow. And, and the things we set were set intentionally to be things that you don't exhaust in the first year, mm-hmm. um, meaning like you'll always sort of get better at them. I think on the product side, we will continue to do anything and everything we can to simplify business for our merchants and be anywhere that buyers may want to be. Um, I think we will continue to build our brand to create a halo effect for our performance marketing. That's one that's a little more specific to the marketing organization at Shopify. We have a massive opportunity um, to continue to build our global presence. Uh, we, we spoke about this a little bit on the, the earnings call. So I can say that one of our biggest drivers of growth this year has been uh, geographic expansion. I think that you'll see that not only continue but accelerate. Um, so supporting that and taking you know what was once a domestic marketing operation that had a burden to localize and turning it into a truly global marketing operation with boots on the ground, sitting side by side with country managers responsible for geographies, Success is very much on my mind. So, and, and just frankly, to and we, just to clarify yeah. that with on the international front, so that's both in terms of uh, merchants who are in other countries, but also in terms of delivery and and being able to to shop from other countries. Yes, our merchants in other countries sell both domestically to folks who are in the same country mm-hmm. and over borders. As you know, we sort of think of them internally as exporters from a from a foreign territory. Got it. I'm sorry, I interrupted. And your third point? Oh, no, I was, you know, I think that, that again, you know, there's sort of like the, the product view of the world and tech companies do tend to be product led. And then there's like, what do you need to achieve in marketing? Another one for me that's big on the marketing side is we, as, as we offer more and more functionality, um, simplifying the message and creating those key themes, um, you know, whether it's making the complex simple or, you know, time well spent, 
um, you know, sort of distilling the themes uh, that appropriately bucket and group product functionality to make it understandable to the non-technical audience is a key part of our challenge. So, you know, we continue to work on that. And then, of course, always getting much, much better um, at the rigor around our performance and analytical marketing. So those are the main things on my mind. I think it's really interesting because our audience listening to the show is going to probably find find it very fascinating because we have a mix of uh, of listeners at, at, at companies of all sizes. So um, I would imagine that there'll be some cool takeaways from, from this discussion um, for those listening. So um, really as well as new stuff. customers for, uh, exactly. for Shopify. <laughs> One hope uh, that would just be a positive side effect. Uh, we, if I helped your listeners at all, then I'm happy for that too. That's exactly cool. what our hope is. Well, um, Jeff Weiser, thank you so much for being with us today. It's been a pleasure and best Best of luck as you uh, continue sort of the next chapter in, in this amazing journey that you're on and and the really what you're doing for so many um, small business people, entrepreneurs, however they want to be uh, uh, termed. Thank you. For more guest interviews, check out our Wharton Business Radio Highlights podcast on iTunes and Google Play.